podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome to Who Got the Assist, Season 7, this is Episode 5, and it's the final pod of pre-season, Sam. Yay! I'm Tom, I'm here with a beer, thanks for joining us, a special welcome to new listeners, I'll stop doing that soon, I promise, existing listeners. Uh, lots of stuff already done in pre-season, so do go back and catch up if you like what you hear, but otherwise we hope you'll be on board with us for the rest of the season. We really value you listening, because otherwise, what's the point in doing a podcast, hey? I'm joined by Sam, as always, you will write a big opening win for free passing saints this weekend so you're repping the saints kit as well on youtube worth doing wasn't it something mad like the first half is set some sort of record didn't you yeah you're ruining my opening monologue yeah we're records breaking for saints um i'm repping double saints at the moment i've got the background and i've got the kit on feeling very um attached to southampton after friday night's curtain raiser for the football league um yeah it was just nice to actually be able to enjoy a match where I'm supporting the team doing well, um, which has felt like a rarity in the last few seasons. So maybe we found our level again for a little bit and um, yeah, a, a new style of play, really happy with it. But because we're not in the Prem, we can't really talk about them too much. So I won't dwell on uh, the absolute fantastic performance that Saints had at the weekend too much. Um. So moving on, uh, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom at the main account on Twitter or X as it's now called at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, you can find that account on Instagram or threads at WGTA dot FPL. And you can find me at FPL Pricey on all of the aforementioned plus uh, on YouTube as well if you wanted to. Uh, the mini league code, um, I don't know when we're going to lock it, but we usually lock it a few weeks into the season. So do make sure you get in before it's too late. The mini league code this season is M-I-N-L-U-D. So do get into that before it's too late. We've got a little trophy for the winner. So make sure you get involved. Uh, on today's pod, we're going to be doing a little bit of bits and pieces, wrapping up the preseason, a few good talking points from the Community Shield as well. Tom has put together some really interesting data on what we can expect from game week one. Are there going to be a few more goals, perhaps? And we're also going to run through a few of our own bold claims. So things could get a bit spicy later on because we put together, I think it's three bold claims each, uh, which we'll yeah. go into yep. later on. And, uh, and some bold claims for game week one as well, which we brought the community into as well. Um, we're also obviously going to run through what looks like narrowing down into finalist drafts. Um, it will be the final main pod, at least, until uh, game week one. So it would be wrong of us not to at least have a look at where our teams are currently at. No spoilers, but you can tell that we've got similar mindsets. Um, so we'll we'll go into that a little bit later on. Um but yeah, you can probably you can probably guess that they're not too dissimilar as a lot of the community is at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So a bit of an odds and sods week, really. Just as Sam said, tying up some loose ends of the opening game week nigh upon us now. Starting off though, Community Shield happened on Sunday. A major domestic trophy for Arsenal 
very early on. Um, Declan Rice, lucky boy, second major trophy in three months after securing a major European trophy of West Ham in the Conference League and his last act as a hammer in June. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a really interesting game. Uh, one for the one, one for the tactical uh, the tactical enthusiasts. I felt. I mean, what did you what did you think of it? And before I kind of recount my story of uh, of watching it. Yeah, it was for the purists a little bit, wasn't it? I, I thought City were dominant in parts, but Arsenal rallied well. They, I, I think there'd be, there have been quite a few questions about Arsenal's defensive solidity going into this season and whether or not we can trust that defence. And I think that helped answer quite a few questions there. They looked fairly sturdy. Haaland didn't really get a sniff. I think he had um, a 0.00 XG, which is rare for a player of his ability. So Arsenal were doing a number on him at the very least. City possibly, and, and they do this most seasons, come in a little bit undercooked and might not be quite at the races yet. Maybe there's an opportunity there, but they are still City at the end of the day. And it took a deflection to take it into penalties. So not that I'm saying Arsenal were lucky by any means, but it was a tight game. City still are doing City things. It's just maybe they're only at 70-80% at the moment. Um, but yeah, there's a few other really interesting talking points about what football in general might look look like this season that come out of the game beyond the two teams that were actually playing in, the, in it this weekend. Uh, do you mm-hmm. want to start off with a couple of those points? I was going to say, in terms of me watching it first, I mean, I was in disbelief afterwards for a good 10 minutes. I was telling them, <laughs> telling my daughter to get used to the defeat as an Arsenal fan. Just before uh, Trossard scored, what could only be described, Sam, as a worldie. <laughs> a, hundred mi- a hundred minutes in, you know, it's just, it's, and we won it on the pen lottery. It's just, you know, it's amazing. Uh, being behind for a hundred minutes, which of course we'll touch on in a second. Agree with you completely. A very evenly matched game. Um, and I think that there was kind of not too much to learn from it. Um, I saw, you know, Rice taking off for Inketia was something I saw surprising a lot of people on football Twitter, at least. But it's since emerged today that Rice is carrying a, not- a knock. So he's only 75% kind of fit at the moment, but looked very comfortable, I thought, regardless. I mean, and FPL wise, I, I don't know. Like, I felt like it was very much... City and Arsenal both setting up for each other in mind. So I don't know how that helps us understand how City can set up versus Burnley and Arsenal mm. versus Nottingham Forest this weekend. Um, and Adam Pritchard pointed out to me, for example, that Kai uh, seems to be playing a lot of the time in an express role to nullify Rodri, for example. I don't know if we're going to see quite that level of attention to detail given to Forest players with all due respect to the likes of Morgan Gibbs-White. And I think the only, the only thing, you know, really was the Foden interest dampening for a lot of people, like I think he quietly exited quite a few teams over the weekends. Uh, through so quietly, starting. I completely forgot he was even a factor in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, if you are hunchy on him, I wouldn't give up the ghost quite yet because playing Arsenal versus playing Burnley are very different propositions. And as we said quite a few times in preseason, we may get leaks. Um, but yes, I mean, there are a couple of things I think that came out which have got some relevance for FPL as well as football in general. The first one is this longer time in play. You know, we're going back to the World Cup. Uh, goal celebrations, time wasting, it's all going to be added on, isn't it, Sam? And I think that that's going to have a real impact on presumably our defensive choices more than anything else. Yeah, so we got a taste for it in the World Cup and it, it they did start dragging on a little bit. And when you apply that to FPL, you, you hinted at it there, clean sheets are going to be harder to come by now. There will be 
more time for teams to try and make up that deficit and more of a push towards the 90 plus minutes. Fergie time is no more, but it's now Fergie time plus another five. This will undoubtedly have a negative impact on our mental health when we're trying to defend a clean sheet, um, especially if you're on City defence, because they do love conceding a late goal when maybe they're 3-0 up, 4-0 up and uh, concentration's a little bit lower, make a few changes and lets the team back in. I think we'll see a few more moments like that this season. And obviously in the Community Shield, we saw a 100th minute equaliser. That won't necessarily happen every single week, but it will happen a little bit more than what we have been used to, just sheerly for the fact that the, the ball is going to be in play for an extra five minutes. So teams have more time to get back into it. Yeah, more a longer game, basically. I think to me, an FPL favours fullbacks if you're looking at things defensively because they give you, one, a chance of attacking returns and two, there's a better chance they get subbed off earlier. So they may lock in that clean sheet. I've got Estepinion in my mind as a player who's quite good for that. You know, the sort of player who gets subbed off with 60-70 mark a lot of the time of Bryce and the changing shape to meet the game state. Um, so I think that that's going to be something which is going to be quite interesting going forward. I know a lot of we, we both got Gabrielle spoiler in our drafts later on, um, and but I think uh, players who do tend to get subbed off kind of around the 60, 70 minute mark are going to be really actually oddly interesting to us this year. Um, last year, a uh, really good thread by FPL Black Wolf on Twitter, who will be coming on the pod at some point this year when we can make it work. So obviously he's in the US. Um, quite a few teams last year uh, scored in the last 10 minutes, more than normal. So Newcastle, Brighton and Brentford all scored 13 goals in the last 10 minutes. Uh, that's compared to the likes of Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth and Palace, who only managed kind of likes of four. Uh, Forest got seven, actually, but also West Ham got four too. Um, so it, it's going to really vary in terms of team fitness, perhaps, and team sh- match sharpness. I think that's and depth, really, really, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. going to be really interesting. And the likes of Darwin, for example, even though, yes, he's not playing hasn't played the um the, the last Liverpool friendly this evening a player like that who does have like mad xgi per 90 in, i'm not saying own him uh, but there may come a time when he kind of makes sense to bring him for some reason some scenario and even if he doesn't start you can kind of be thinking well okay i haven't got you know, 30 minutes here, if he comes on the 60 minute, I've probably got about 40. So I've kind of got a, near enough a half of football for him to do something. Um, I think that that's going to be something which is going to be a bit of a consideration and will hopefully kind of soften the blow, perhaps, of an attacking player being on the bench when you've got a reasonable cause to think, yeah, he might come on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched on a really good point there about the types of teams that score late. The, the teams that you mentioned that only, I think, got three or four all seem to be teams that had barely any depth on the bench last year and would probably struggle to spruce things up with a late with a late substitute. And maybe that's something we need to keep an eye on this this year. Teams with that lack of depth have a much lesser chance of getting back into a game late on, whereas the teams with a lot on the bench this year, Brighton look like they've got a stacked attacking outfit from the bench coming on as well they could be really good value for a late equaliser late couple of goals I think you mentioned Newcastle did it last year Arsenal this year as well look like they've got plenty of depth on the bench Liverpool have five quality attackers to pick from in any given week so I think we can expect some late goals from the likes of them 
Um, the mm. other thing you mentioned as well about uh, Darwin potentially getting 30, 40 minutes here and there rather than 20 or 30, that, it, that in itself I think is really interesting to players that maybe were previously a little bit too scared to go towards because, because of that rotation threat. But also it means that from a meta point of view in FPL, our, our benches probably mean less than ever and piling value onto those benches probably won't have that much benefit to our sides because... Even if your player, let, let's go with Foden as a great example of a player that a lot of us are considering taking a risk on in game week one. If we didn't get a leak, we didn't know whether he started or not, and you've put him in your team and hasn't started for whatever reason, he's definitely going to get 20, 30 minutes at the end. He, he probably will get subbed on, especially with the five subs and the fact that games will go on for longer. Managers will want to rotate and rest their players to keep them fresh for next week. Th those five subs are getting used most times. This, I think even Pep would struggle not to use them most weeks this year. <laughs> so having a deep bench probably won't mean as much unless a player is really and truly injured out of nowhere, which does happen, but I can only really name twice or three times a season that I can hang my hat on and say that that does happen. So having a 4 million playing defender on the bench is probably adequate most weeks um, because more often than not, you're just not going to need them, um, which is interesting for our drafts later on, I must say. I hadn't really considered that point until later, but it's something I'll definitely have to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, for sure. And the other thing is yellow cards um, been handed out like confetti again. There's a really good stat in the Athletic, but last season, 92 players were cautioned for time wasting in the Premier League, which was yellow card every 8.2 games, accounting for just 6.6% of bookings all last season this season uh, in the community shield we've already we already saw the likes of thomas party and julian alvarez being booked in the opening half for time wasting offenses as well as uh, uh michael arteta being booked for slightly transgressing beyond his technical area so i think there's going to be a definite impact as well there in terms of um i think a minus one you know for, for a, a yellow card i think you're going to see that more often this year at least for the first little while until a bit like penalties a few years ago they kind of think well hang on this is getting a bit out of hand now maybe we should row it back just a tiny bit but that's again something to bear in mind kind of disciplinary right wise uh, in terms of going forward just because you know if you've got a mid if you've got a defender or something on the yellow cards within 15 minutes <laughs> that's not the best place to be and um, so maybe some nervous moments ahead for everybody i think those are the only two i think sam yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think with the yellow cards in mind, I saw it in the in the Saints opening game as well. In the first half, there were two yellow cards for kicking the ball away. And that is going to get stamped out very, very quickly. Players will get used to it. And I think after two or three weeks, most of that will have been eradicated from the game. Um, either that or the refer referees soften up because the players won't. And we can't have 10 yellow cards a game every single week. So one way or another, that will buckle eventually, I think. But for the opening few weeks, there are some more petulant players in the league oh, looking yeah. at certain uh, Bruno Fernandes, possibly. Bruno on five yellow cards by game week, <laughs> game week five. Imagine, yeah, no, I can, I can imagine that. Be. But Ooh. yeah, players players are intelligent enough. They will get used to it. And if they don't get used to it, then the managers will certainly drill it into them after a few weeks and say, 
oi, get back in line because we can't afford yellow cards and we can't afford you getting banned after 10, 10 games. Mm. So, yeah, I think it will normalise eventually, but those opening three or four fixtures, keep an eye out. Perfect. All right, there you go. So not very much to take from Community Shields in terms of the teams, but a few sort of maybe meta uh, overarching impacts, which at least early on in the season may have an effect on us as managers. Game week one is upon us. I think it's worth just kind of quickly talking about that. Um, what I do every year is I look at game week one versus, uh, versus a normal game week during the season just to get an idea. Are there more goals scored in game week one? What I've done for those uh, listening is I've looked at the goals total across the last six or eight years there and, and to create an average per game week versus the, t- the number of goals you tend to see on game week one. Are there more goals scored in game week one? Is it a goal fest? Hmm. Unlike the final day, which I think the average number of goals scored was 2.5 more on game week one, it's, it's 0.9 more. So there's, there's not really much more goals scored on opening week uh, than you, you'll otherwise see. As, I know it's very exciting um, but it doesn't always tend to be the goal fest that we remember but I think a lot of the time there are games or game weeks that stick in people's minds I'm thinking particularly of 21-22 do you remember when Antonio uh, smashed it and people with Antonio Ben Rama uh, I think Fernandez scored a hat-trick against Leeds and you have Mo Salah as well who got 17 points so uh, most people was captain oh, I think that was a year of Shimakas as well I seem to remember because Andy Robertson missed the game I think we, loads of people came out I, I think I got 96 that year um, but loads of people end up with kind of 100 plus didn't you have Ben Rama you were saying earlier on that, that must I, be one yeah, that's I had uh, I had Ben Rama and Antonio to start with, and I think I hit hundred club game week one. It was either game week one or two. What they just absolutely exploded, and the combination of popular players came together really well. So I think a lot of people got off to a lightning start that year. Um, but yeah, Ben Rama was gangbusters at the start of the season, and then just completely fell off a cliff after that. <laughs> yeah, Hindi monkeys, Ben Rama train. I think what's interesting, though, is thinking about the last kind of trying to remember at least what it was like, what it's been like the last few years, because that was I think I'm going to say that was 2020, 21-22, I think that was. 2021, that was the Dominic Calvert-Lewin year. And yeah. I went with I went with Richarlison that year over Calvert Lewin. So I was trying to outsmart, you know, the template and all of that sort of nonsense and obviously didn't work out very well. I remember I was doing badly and then Reese James uh, scored a screamer for Chelsea and that kind of brought me up to about the kind of 70-ish um, but I mean I, I was down in the millions something like that um, that year um, so there's the kind of 71 I think uh, 96 a couple of years ago and then last year um, I got 80 points last year because at the back it, it was ridiculous I had Edison and Cancelo I remember kind of doubling up on the city defence not many people did do that and that, that was brilliant Gabriel and Rhys James all got clean sheets. And then uh, Salah got uh, 12 times two. Haaland, I started with him. A lot of people didn't start with Haaland, did the Kane to Haaland kind of switcheroo plan. Uh, so again, starting 13 points behind. And I think Martinelli also scored. And you know, last year particularly, I, I was 250k after game week one. And that was such a good foundation to just build on. Because my team was pretty good. 80 points. I think the average was fairly low 
that year and I already had the likes of you know Holland in place and people were kind of looking to um, buy buy him in for Kane I had kind of the double assist defense which churned out points for me for a little while like I know people I said on the pricing pod people hate Edison but I, I have got a very good memory of Edison because I started with him and Cancelo and had I think over the first five game weeks I had three clean sheets from them which was great and that and that kind of created like a really good floor for me to just kind of build on from then onwards I mean yeah so it's, it's been kind of quite changeable but I think getting that good start last year was just the catalyst to everything I 16.8k it's not it's not great but it's I, I was very happy with it because after the last couple of years which were a bit rubbish um and it's uh yeah I, I don't know maybe looking back at the last kind of three years underpinned how important it is just to get that start um right and maybe being more beige is what I did last year, which I didn't do the last couple of years. I tried to do something to outsmart the template, as I mentioned with uh, Calvert-Lewin. year before that, I ended up with Gundawan and uh, Harvey Barnes when other people went elsewhere and did a lot better with that. So, yeah, um, be as beige as possible is my, is my take out from looking over the last three years. I mean, you, you tend to do quite well on Game Week 1, don't you? From the time of, I think when we were talking at the, at the meets, um, yeah, time you said that you, every game week one you tend to do all right. Yeah, it's because I'm quite boring. I think as well. Uh, it's quite similar to you. I don't try to mix it up too much. I, I I've got a pretty straightforward ethos of what game week one is, and it's you can't win FPL in game week one, but you can probably lose it if you're not if you're not careful. And yeah, Sam calls Tom boring. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one because it's always really tempting to back a hunch and I've got nothing against going with one or two of those but the way I like to look at it is every hunch you go go with against the template or against the common the common knowledge of the community is something Mm. that could either go in your advantage or it could massively play against you and then that is potentially a transfer you are behind the template from game week one and that's on every single decision you make and obviously we make 15 decisions at the start well, 16, really, if you add, add in captaincy as well. So if, you've, if you're if you exposed to 16 different points of difference or, uh, okay, starting 11, 11 different points of difference to what the template is, you could effectively be 11 moves behind if you're not careful. And then obviously you're looking at burning a wild card immediately. So... I don't, I don't think necessarily it's as simple as you have to be template. It's more the chances you take you have to be quite confident will work out for you because you know the consequence could be you could end up two three four moves behind what the forming template is and if that template gets off to a good start you're going to be kept playing catch up until you wild card and that could then become really quite difficult to make up that ground later yeah. on in the season yeah definitely i mean, but i think the, the because i'm play gave about Richardson versus calvert lewin for example it's huge because you get to game week one, Richarlison didn't do anything, Calvert Lewin scored. I was like, okay, fine. Game week two, I think it was West Brom. Richarlison got three assists and Calvert Lewin scored a couple of goals. So I was like, oh, well, that's good. You know, I can kind of deal with that. But then kind of it keeps going, you know, and you keep kind of every week you kind of lose three or four points to the template because you think, oh, you know, I want to have faith in my guy. There's an element sunk cost fallacy. And also you're kind of making other moves because the season started and you're kind of, you know, you're seeing this player comes to the fore, this other player puts a hand up and you're trying to kind of make it all work together. So there's an element there of always of just, as Sam says, making sure you're not too exposed to that. And I think we'll come back to that particularly when we talk about 
uh, the drafts in just a bit. But I think first, shall we do bold claims? I think this seems like a good time to do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So we've put together three bold claims each for the season that basically just for a bit of fun, but we'll have a look at them during the season at some point, see how they're getting on because they could become quite laughable quite quickly. Um, And then at the end of the season, um, we will analyse to see whether either of us have nailed anything. Um, We do actually believe in these bold claims, or at least we did at time of writing. So hopefully one or two of them pay off and we look like geniuses. This is our marker in the sand at the start of the season, as it were, to try and prove that we know what we're talking about. (laughs) So yeah, it could go very, very badly wrong. Um, We've also got some bold claims from the community a little bit later on, specific to game week one, and we'll be doing that each and every week throughout the season. We'll put in our own as well, and we'll do a bit of a running tally to see how the community are doing, how me and you are doing, um, how how we are against each other, see who's ahead. Um, but yeah, without further ado, I can't remember who's first on the bowl claims. I can't who, remember who what is. order I did it in. So uh, drum roll. Oh, yeah, here we that go. Was me. Yeah, it's, my, it's <laughs> the one I'm most worried about already. Uh, Good luck. So to anyone uh, listening to the podcast rather than watching on YouTube, um, Darwin to hit 20 Premier League goals has just appeared on screen as if from nowhere. Um, yeah, so I wrote this earlier uh, earlier on before finding out that Darwin was benched and also before finding out, um, well, b- before listening to the excellent latest episode of The Wire as well, um, where um, they really spoke at length about Liverpool. So do check that out as well if you get the chance. Um, but Darwin scored 20 Premier League goals. I think he is a bit like a ketchup bottle. All it takes is one one good bit of momentum going in his favour and he could just explode. Now, obviously, that is highly dependent on him getting regular starts. 20 Premier League goals is obviously a goal every other game. If he's only starting half the Premier League games, then we I have a, a, an immediate issue with this claim. But if he gets into a run of form, I think it might be quite unlikely he starts the Chelsea game now, but I do expect him to start the Bournemouth game. If he can hit two or three in that game, he's then immediately harder to drop for the next game. So if he can get into that patch where he's finding the back of the net and returning on his excellent underlying data, and when I say excellent, I mean league-beating underlying data, he could be a machine. And at 7.5, it could be laughable. It is just highly dependent on him starting week in, week out, and then also being able to actually return on the underlying data. So that's why it's probably a bold claim. Um, If he was a reliable starter, I don't think this would even be that much of a question mark, but he's not. So why don't you tear it apart, Tom? (laughs) No, I I mean, it's it's one where you make it now and you make yourself a bit of a laughingstock if it goes wrong. But Mm. it's one that you can feasibly see happening because, as you say, he's got the ridiculous underlying data. All it would take is we mentioned it earlier on, him to come on the 70th minute, he's got that ridiculous XGI per 90, gets a goal, gets an assist, starts the next game, and suddenly he's off. You know, and that that's not, it's, it's not an unreasonable thing to say. Um, I think it'll be, I think there'll be definitely people who kind of look at it and go, oh, Darwin, yeah, he's, he's a little <laughs> crap. Like he's couldn't hit a barn door. And that, you know, I, I, I've got some sympathy of that point of view. But the fact is, you've got quite a few decent little runs to Liverpool throughout the course of the season. I'm thinking, I think it's game week five to game week 11 or 12. Uh, they don't play any team from last season's top top six. I think mm. they've got Spurs in there somewhere. But there's a really nice little run there within which, you know what, 
if against, I think it's Wolves in game week five, if I'm correctly, if he does start, comes off the bench against them, scores, and he suddenly he's in the team for a little mm-hmm. while. And the A team, so is it Jota, Salah, and Gakpo or whatever play um, and he, he is the guy who is playing in the league given given that 90 minutes builds his confidence like he does seem a bit of a confidence player especially with the sort of just observationally i suppose that's very anecdotal i know but you've mm. got that and you've got the data i mean i i could see what's happening i really could it's the epitome of a bold claim but it's a bold claim that's got legs i think as well mm. so yeah that, that was that was the nicest non-tearing apart I've ever done, I think. If we that is, that's very it. kind. I think it's because I tore myself apart to start with. You you felt like you had to defend me a little bit. Um, but yeah, <laughs> feel free to uh, rip me apart to shreds on Twitter or in the comments below if you want, guys. It's absolutely no, fine. Definitely um, clip this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, this is a really bad clippable episode. It's going to be humiliating for both of us. Um, but let's uh, move on to your first bold claim and even out slightly. Um, so yeah, go for it. Yep. Trump to end up overpriced. So I mean, this is again, one which has legs or equally can make me look like an absolute fool. And, you know, I, I'll wear it. I'll own it. If I am made to look like an idiot. And if I buy, it's not, this is not going to stop me buying Trent. If it does look within that set of fixtures or something, it materializes that he's good. Anyway, it's, it's a bold claim. That's the point of bold claims that they're not going to inhibit me and my FPL management. I'm over that. That was seven years ago. But I would have maybe kind of thought, well, I've said something on the pod, therefore I will follow it through. Um, mm. I think the reasoning behind this one is, you know, we were all super happy with Trent's pricing. We both messaged each other, didn't we, Sam? Like as soon as the came, oh, that's a great price for Trent. It's really good, you know. But we, I think we were, what, lay behind that is that we were hoping that the rise was a bellwether for a hike across the board and when that didn't materialize i think that this sort of claim crystallized a little bit in my mind and and i think dan lord uh, on uh, planet fpl's correspondent week also said this as well to some extent i think this claim comes from a, a, a couple of things one is in terms of fpl kind of overall sort of matrix overall sort of structure and given the the depths of options open to us in defense at five to five point five, one of whom I know you've got a claim about coming up, Sam. <laughs> I just I just wonder if Trent is gonna do that eight point zero justice, especially when you compare him with options again in that defensive area and also in midfield around yeah. the same price, because that's realistically who he's competing against. Because if you go with him, you have to go without one of them. And I just wonder if that's going to work. That's because of a Liverpool component of this. So Liverpool, one, don't seem to be able to pick up a six. I think there's another bid rejected by a a recording on Monday, the 7th of August. Another bid rejected (laughs) for Lavia today. Don't seem to want to go for Cassiedo. I know for Benio and Henderson, their legs have gone to some extent, but they've both departed. Got McAllister as the six, potentially, at the moment. But... You know, I feel like I feel less confident in that defense. It feels like very much kind of a return to heavy metal football, except without the defensive solidity. And I mentioned a couple of pods ago on that because he really needs those clean sheets to elevate him from being a very reasonable pick to an essential pick. Yeah, I don't see that happening at the moment with Liverpool. Something may change by Thursday. I may have to completely re reevaluate re- this bold claim. Um, but I, I don't see it happening right now. You've also got Sabotsly uh, taking some set pieces as well, which may again diminish Trent's attacking returns. 
So, yeah, I mean, the options of defence being cheaper, the same price midfielders being probably capable of similar, if not better, and make me think Trent's price looks a bit of an oddity really now. Like, it's a bit of an anomaly. He's kind of out there, isolated at, as the 8 million defender because the rest of the uh, the rest of the selection, the rest of the prayer list didn't, didn't really move with him. I know he was at 7.5 last year, but it didn't kind of seem to merit that, as I said, on the price pod. So, yeah, I'm, I think that he's going to be priced out for much of the season beyond double game weeks because of where he is, the team he plays for, and what's going on. So, yeah, bold claim for me, one at least. Uh, Trent <laughs> is priced out or overpriced. I'm not sure there's a nuance between the two now. I think about it. Maybe it's that he's priced out rather than being overpriced. I'm not sure whether that, that means slightly different things. So maybe I go with Trent is priced out. Now I've spoken yeah. about it a little bit, but you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, We'll remember it, it as that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, definitely, definitely. There's not video evidence or anything of me saying Trent be over from me. With me with <laughs> Just Trent another thing I'll be clipping later Oops. on. Yeah, I'm going to love every what? second of this. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, again, it sounds what, like we're being really kind to each other, but I do generally agree with that point. I think because Liverpool have a very small squad at the moment, I know they're still in the market for players, but they are amongst the smallest squads in the league right now. The, the depth that they do have is quality, but all it takes is one or two injuries and then they're really bare bones again. Trent will always be slightly reliant on those defensive returns to stockpile the points, the underlying points to that marry up well with the assists and the slight goal threat as well to make him an elite asset. And without the defensive returns or with fewer defensive returns in previous seasons, we've seen that those are his seasons where at times we don't need him in our squads. And in those seasons, he was cheaper. This season, he's 8 million. There are a lot of options all around 5.5, 5 million in great defences who will be keeping clean sheets. And quite a few of these players at 5.5 especially will get quite a few attacking returns too so mm. yeah it, it's a it's a claim that I can certainly get on board with again it does not mean at some points we won't be interested in having him he's a fantastic player and he will undoubtedly be one of Liverpool's best players this season but in terms of value I think is the key point here and right now I, I have to say I probably completely agree with you Right then, so um, let's move on to point number three. And this should be back to me again, although I can't remember what it is. Um, so, aha, yes, this is <laughs> probably quite a bold claim again, but I think it has basis in reality. Hmm. So I'm going, I'm going with Edison to be dropped at some point this season. Now, anyone who owned Edison at any point last season can probably attest to the fact that he can at times be quite a frustrating goalkeeper to own in FPL. And I think in great part, that's because he's not the best shot stopper in the world. And again, I, I'm feeling like I'll get dug out quite a bit on Twitter if this, every time he makes a good save, I think it's going to go against me. But I think there are better shot stoppers out there. He's obviously very good with his feet, but Ortega has come in, has looked more than competent at times. And I think Pep, more than most managers, is happy to make these tough choices if he has to. I think all it takes is Edison to be out of form or have a few poor game weeks in a row for him to be slightly at risk. He is obviously an international standard goalkeeper, but Ortega 
is no slouch. He hasn't come in here to just make up the numbers and keepers are inherently quite proud of themselves and quite selfish. So he will want that number one spot eventually if he can play well in the cups and if he can keep a clean a few clean sheets there. He's good enough with the ball at his feet that he could rival Edison for number one spot if Edison's shot stopping doesn't improve at some point this season. And I think Ortega may probably not start the season, um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if at some point this year, we're all looking at Ortega in our FPL teams because he looks like all of a sudden a nailed Man City defensive asset to own. Yikes. I, I'm, I'm not sure about this one. I think that <laughs> Edison, I, I think Ortega... I was playing obviously in, in he here's the cup goalkeeper, which makes sense why he was playing um in the in in the uh charity community shield, keep saying community Absolutely. shield charity or whatever. Mm. I just I just wonder whether the distribution that Ortega has is the same as Edison's. I think it's probably a step down really in what Edison has got. I th- I think that the role that Edison plays, yes, I, know, I, I think I, I mentioned uh, when I did the um, when we did the pricing pod that Edison, what he does is in, in terms of you know, creating, uh, being the base for those of attacks, which we've seen mimics with uh, Allison, obviously the same, same, and uh, signing Onana at Man United, uh, Ramsdale at, at Arsenal too. Uh, those sorts of goalkeepers are quite hard to come by. Uh, if, uh, I think that Ortega is. It seems to be at least. Uh, decent with the ball of his feet obviously he wouldn't be at Man City if he wasn't it's just that he's not the same level he's not an elite goalkeeper in quite the same way so I'd be unsure about this one I think you're relying a lot on a perceived dropping confidence mm. for something to happen and for him to completely lose Pep's trust I think that that's quite a high bar to set yourself and i just just wonder about this one i'm i'm not i i can't get behind it basically i think that edison does do a lot um and you know last season a bit of an aberration yes um but overall a very good goalkeeper of man city in terms of what he does going forward normally you know you've got a one and two chance for clean sheet for man city in that defense and i just don't know whether we will see him uh, suddenly be dropped at any point. I, I, I just don't quite see it happening. But you know, at the end of last season, we did see Ortega play a little bit. And maybe that was, I don't know the full story behind that. I'm sure someone can tell me if they have listened and are saying, no, you're Tom, you're an idiot. You missed this. Um, but I, I, I don't really know what the story was behind that. Maybe it was just taking out the firing line, something like that, which again, kind of would be what you'd be relying on for this claim to, come, to go through. So, yeah, I, I'm ambiguous on this one. Uh, leaning towards, I'm not too sure about it, but I'm, I'm glad you've made a claim like this because it's good that we don't <laughs> agree on one. <laughs> It'd be boring if we just agreed on all of them. And it, it is definitely a bold claim. I don't think there's a high likelihood of it happening, but I've just got a sneaky suspicion that Pep isn't too worried about changing things up if he has to. I actually think that Ortega is good with his feet um, and that Pep has the ability to improve players quite drastically over a few seasons. Ortega, I think he came in last season um, and now, again, we'll have a bit more time to work on the way City build up. So I think over time there's a chance that it does happen. But right. yeah, it's a bold claim. So uh, yeah, that's the whole we'll point see. of these. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Let's move on to your second one. There you go. 
Yeah, it's, it's not particularly bold. Uh, Sam actually called this a beige claim uh, when we were talking <laughs> about it earlier on. Um, but it is nonetheless perhaps talking to the state of FPL as it is. Uh, my claim is that at least two of Saka, Martinelli, Gab, uh, Bruno and Rashford will stay in my squad for at least 30 game weeks. Spoiler alert, that's my midfield at the moment. <laughs> I, again, I'm not sure it's especially bold, but looking back over the last few game week ones, other than you know, Holland last year, the likes of Salah and Trent in years gone by, none of the players I initially picked stayed in my team for any special length of time. But this year, I think, at the very beginning in our opening hot takes pods, um, I can see at least two of them, that midfield four, staying in my team for the vast majority of the campaign. There's some allowance for injury, of course, and things like that. But the pricing for those players, because of, the, I think, the hangover from the year before when they're all underpriced and FPL's reluctance to really go above sort of, you know, 1.5, 2 million plus uh, for a lot of these guys um, means that, I, I, they're great value and I, I can't see them not staying in my team for a, a significant amount of time. If you do subscribe to FPL Review, for example, you'll know that Saka is now the, 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 the new darling of the analytics community, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He's the, he's the highest rated midfielder and Bruno and Rashford also are in the mix. Um, and you're, you're looking at things like, oh, could Bruno play further back? or something like that to impact him. But the X minutes are very difficult to, to kind of uh, argue against. Saka, X minutes very difficult to argue against. Rashford as well. I, I think his X minutes are going to be very good this year. Brun, uh, Martinelli, yes, maybe there are some questions there about him. So maybe he shouldn't have been in this mix. But you know, we saw him as Community Shield, and it's not new news that he was the furthest forward player for Arsenal, even with Gabriel Jesus. He is the furthest forward player for Arsenal. With Enketia, is slightly different, as we've discussed in the past. But yes, I, I wouldn't be shocked if at least two of them, maybe even three, stay in my squad for the vast majority of the season. So they're such good value. And over the course of the campaign, barring injury, I, I can't see them really moving out. If both teams obviously have a bit of kind of headwind and you know, Arsenal and Man United have a really crappy start a la Liverpool last year then sure you know this this claims in the mud but if both teams have a fair wind or at least kind of just continue to stably chunter on I think that the value is there for them so not a bold not the boldest claim in the world but maybe one which speaks to the incarnation of FPL we're currently enjoying <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so earlier I, I did uh, quite harshly call it a beige claim. I'll, I'll upgrade it. If it was a Nando's list, it was, I probably had it as lemon and herb earlier. I, I'll upgrade it to a medium because looking at it, those are the four players, as you said, uh, who are in your team right now. And when, when you actually picture your FPL team along a season, I don't know how many of those seasons I can picture any of my midfield staying away is for any extended amount of time. Things will change. And I think... For this claim to pay off, you're reliant on a couple of things. One, you're reliant, particularly, I think, on Saka and Rashford to hold up this claim, because I think at times you are probably going to want to get rid of Martinelli and Bruno, either because of fixtures or because of 
minutes for Martinelli sometimes might get a little bit frustrating. Perhaps another Arsenal mid like Trossard or Havertz comes to the fore. I think you're more likely to get rid of Martinelli than you would Saka in those in those times. And then with Bruno as well, I think it could also get a little bit frustrating when he does start sitting deep and maybe there's three or four weeks in a row where he's not returning. And then you've got City midfielders at 7.5. You've got Madison at 7.5. You've got Son at 9. There are a plethora of midfield options for us to pick from this season. So it might just be a case of, well, I really want this shiny new toy. And these guys have been in my team a while. Maybe they've had a few off weeks. Maybe the fixtures aren't great. I, I could see you moving off most of these players at times. It's whether or not 30 plus is enough to get you over the mark or not. Yeah, I mean, I, it could have been 20 plus, which would be like an easy win. I think setting it to 30 at least kind of, you know, really kind of burnishes it as a bold claim. And, um, you know, this year, as we kind of, I think we've spoken about it a little bit, it's likely to be one of the most. I say this now, and you know, the, something terrible happens, and this is all goes up in the air again. But as far as we know, this year is going to be probably one of the most predictable years we've had since pre-COVID. So players like that, I think, especially when we're talking about the, the X Men's Kings, should at least be players who are going to be a constant in your team. You're going to give them a lot more extra leeway. And as kind of effectively cut price premiums, I mentioned with Bruno, I can't go over the fact that I happily paid 12 million for him not very long ago. I'd have happily paid 10 million for Bufasaka this year. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just one of those really where in terms of the game state, in terms of FPL, it's, it's one that I think isn't as bold as it perhaps seems, but making it 30 plus given how long the season is. I, yeah, you're right. There's definitely moments where I look at Martinelli, for example, and think, oh, you yeah, know, well, Madison, blah, blah, blah. And Martinelli, well, he's got tough fixtures after game week eight, so he could be mm. a casualty. And then suddenly I'm kind of down to Bruno Rashford, Saka. Just don't know. But at the moment, it, it's, it's, it's one where you kind of back them in most games, apart from when they're, when they're, they're playing each other or when either of them playing Man City. Yeah. If if this claim comes off, we're me- basically just going to be making transfers to that second forward all season, effectively, which is going to get really, really repetitive. Oh, it's, 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 it's at least two. So, you know, you've still got mm. you know, um, some longevity in there. Just think about how Salah never left your team, really. True. Throughout, throughout the past. So that's one of them. And then you're kind of saying, you know what, there's another one who's very decent. Like if De Bruyne, there was a year when we were starting with De Bruyne and Sterling. I think that might have been kind of 2019 20. Yeah, around there. Maybe, maybe before that, you know, if they'd have stayed, if De Bruyne had stayed fit all year alongside Salah, you'd have just left that, wouldn't you? It's just one of those where it really depends. It's all, it depends on how if you get a fair win behind that one. But yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right, okay. Cool for you. On to my final season-long bold claim, and as you kind of nudged to earlier, it is about. A defender. So I'm actually going with Chilwell to be the top scoring defender in FPL this season. So ahead of Trent, ahead of all the City boys, ahead of everyone else. I think if Chilwell stays fit, and that is the question mark here, that's probably why it's a bold claim more than all others. Um, I think he will be the top scoring FPL defender. I think Chelsea will be tight enough at the back to keep a a decent amount of clean sheets. And when I see the positions that Chilwell gets himself into 
at 5.5 million as well. Great value in our teams. But in terms of raw points, he's got good, significant goal threat, not just assist threat. And for a defender, that is absolute gold dust, as we all know. And the way that he talks about it and, and his role in the team and the way that Potch is apparently telling him to play actively really plays into my narrative that Chilwell is going to end up at the outside post, at the back post quite often. He yeah. will be cutting inside and almost playing that false winger at times, which isn't a real role, but I'm going to dub him the false winger. Um, and I think he'll get four or five goals. He'll get equal, if not slightly more assists. And we could be looking at a real maybe 200 points i did i was going to put him as a 200 point club as my bold claim but i'm going with just top scoring defender instead in case <clears throat> the clean sheets don't quite hold out fine fair play i mean you mentioned it straight away injuries is is mm. that going to be what the is that going to be the thing that kind of holds you back really here? Yeah. Uh, over the last couple of years, he's missed 58 games for injury. Ruptured his, uh, his cruciate uh, back in November 21, uh, a couple of hamstring injuries last year, which took him out for 15 games in terms of one transfer market. Um, before that, a Leicester fairly resilient. You, know, you kind of you sort of missed your game here and there. Which player doesn't? Who's not called Bruno Fernandes? <laughs> It's just whether that kind of begins to be a thing for him, you know, whether you, know, you see a hamstring injury happen with a player, does that kind of, does that continue in niggle, keep chewing away at the player? Everything else, great. You know, I think we both said when, sorry for mentioning FPL Review for those who aren't particularly into it, but we both said when FPL Review came out, that we were both shocked at how much it rated Chilwell. And I, I think that that kind of, maybe has led to where we're going to be in a minute in terms of our drafts as well. Say our drafts. Oh, that's massive. Good point. You know I mean, <laughs> and, um, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you've got to, it, it's, it's one where, you know, I, again, if there's a fair wind, I can see it happening because of all the reasons you've described <laughs> false winger, invert, inverted winger, in, whatever. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how he goes. But yeah, he's, he's one that at 5.5, again, linking back to my Trent claim, um, who could feasibly end up in, in that area of uh, 200 points. It really depends if Chelsea do have that defensive solidity. <laughs> um, I think Potch will probably sort them out around November and then maybe we'll go on a little bit of a run they've got the early sort of fixtures to keep uh, to kind of build a foundation yeah I, 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 I quite like this one I think I can definitely see it happening as we stand right now it's just whether that continues uh, yeah. yeah, you've also got um, everybody who's beholden to Reese James Stockholm Syndrome <laughs> wondering why you aren't mentioning him <laughs> I can't do that to myself. Not again. I, it's, he, he just seems like he is too injury prone. Whereas Chilwell, I think, has been slightly unfortunate that he's had bad injuries that have kept him out for a while. Whereas Reese James, every other week, it seems to be a different issue. And then a few larger ones that are added in as well. I think if Reese James can stay fit, then he's just as likely as Chilwell. Um, to be top goal, uh, top point scorer, even in FPL. But I've just got less faith in James staying fit at this current Fair moment play. in time. Fair play. Right, final one for me then. 
Come on then. Right. Number three for you. And this is one I do actually agree with. So go for it. Yeah. Ollie Watkins, the Jordan 200 club. Like, you let me have this one, which is, which is very kind. Uh, but I, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I've been uh, pretty keen on Watkins since the season began. Um, and he was one that was in mind for me, I think, at the end of the last year as well. I'm fairly sure we had a conversation about that at some point that I think he'd, he'd be really interested in. I listened to uh, Lee Jackson on Planet FPL's correspondent pod for Villa. Really interesting to hear him and pleasing as well to hear him echo the points I was making about how the team set up to service him, you know, how he focuses his energy in and around the box now rather than drifting wide, dropping deep. And as I said the other week, it kind of feels like he's a bit of an incarnation of Jamie Vardy in some ways. But I just think as long as he stays fit and Emery system continues to reap the rewards for them, they're not too distracted uh, by Europe, he could hit by 200 mark. And he's got the eight minutes on his side. He's got basically being the main man. You've got Cameron Archer, a young striker who did very well in the championship last year, but still you know, unproven as the number two. You don't really have like the easy sort of transition. So he's going to be playing. Uh, Kane style, he's going to be playing. And I think that that's going to be very good for him. I, I don't know. There's not too much, much more to say on this. Villas uh, Talisman, the whole system set up to support him. I've already mm. popped out a, a clip on Twitter about him. <laughs> what can you do? Yeah, I, you know, Very much... Obviously, we've had the injury to Nkunku, as we saw tonight. Um, in the place on, on, on X, is being described as a few months, and that removes that one. And, yeah, I mean, I, I just think starting with Watkins, just kind of saying, you know what, mate, you just do your thing. I'm just going to leave you there. Uh, very much like Jamie Vardy, again, like he was very much that sort of player back in his sort of heyday. You just owned him. You left him there. Yeah, there are a few blanks here and there, but you're, you're, you're okay. Every week there was a goal. Um, but every other week there was a goal. You know, you, you mm. expected him to kind of drip along. And I think Watkins could well do that. And those things add up. You know, every, not, not every game is going to be a Newcastle game like, like last year um, where he comes out with double digits. But scoring one goal every, every game is like a realistic possibility for Watkins, I think. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's important to note that he wasn't exactly far off the 200 club last season and he wasn't even a factor for most of us for at least half of the season until Gerard left. So this is a player that I think it was 175 points last yep. year. Um, two or three more goals with a couple of bonus points in there and you're pretty much there. And I think that's very realistic to expect for someone that is a 90-minute man. I think he still will be on penalties. I personally think he'll get one more chance um, before Tielemans might take take them over. But I don't think Tielemans is necessarily starting every single week or always on the pitch anyway. So even mm. if he was to officially take pens off of him, he might still get a few here and there. And when you look at Aston Villa... As, as a unit now, they've got so much creativity, not only in their starting 11, but also coming off the bench to just consistently be feeding Watkins with chances for the entire 95 to 100 minutes. And again, that extra five minutes could really pay off for someone who is playing every single minute this season in getting him across the line to 200 points from the 170, 180 that he's at at the moment. So, yeah, really like this one. I would have taken it myself as well. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I hope it, no, it's absolutely fine. Watkins is your boy, and I probably was inspired by your comments previously anyway, so it's only fair. Um, and yeah, I, I think that one really wraps up the bold claims for now. I think that's probably the one I'm most confident on moving into 
the, the start of the season. And maybe by the time we get to game week 38, we'll have a look back at this. He'll have already hit 200 points and we can jointly have a little mini celebration knowing that we kind of <laughs> both wanted this to happen. But it would still technically be your point. For sure. Right. Well, so should we do the um, for game week one? I think uh, what we'll do this year is every every week, um, if it does if it does happen, you know, we'll get we'll get a point each for the for the bowl claims and for the community as well. I think what we I think what we should do, Sam, maybe is we nominate. We'll, we'll read out a few and maybe nominate one that we think is. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, this is this is a dictatorship, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's our pod, so we can decide. So, <laughs> um, but you know, we'll, basically, we'll what one we'll don't we think is going to work? <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, nom- we'll nominate one um, that we'll, we'll take into the week um, with us, and then have kind of a Tom, Sam, FPL X, and mm. kind of just just kind of keep track of it throughout the throughout the campaign, as we said on the very first pod back. I think that that might be a good way of doing it. So in yeah. advance of game week. One, where are you? What's your bold claim? Is it me? Well, is it you or is it me first? Is it it me, might be it? you first. It is you first. Do you want to? Do you want to kick it off? Yes. So Brentford versus Spurs to have six plus goals, and none of us to own any of the players in it. Um, <laughs> maybe in Bremo, but I think he's also got a knock, hasn't he? You can't run off after thirty minutes in one of the friendlies. But I think Frank has said that he was precautionally got taken off. Uh, worryingly, Andy Martin agrees with me about this one. Oh, said there will be six plus goals <laughs> in the Brentford versus Spurs games, and that's all. That's always a, a, a reason to doubt your very existence. Sorry, Andy, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that that's that's the game. You know, with Spurs just seem to be akin to Liverpool, really. In the yeah, we're going to score on more than you. We're going for it. And um, from every interview with Postecoglou, it's it very much seems like he wants the ball, wants to attack and defence. It's not an afterthought. But it's something, uh, especially to James Planet FPL as well, which I do a, a fair bit of this week, an awful lot. And it, mm. it just seems like that's going to be how they kind of run things, that they're going to be very exciting to watch, but not necessarily the most solid team at the back. Um, and Brentford too, very clever. You know, Thomas Frank always sets up very nicely uh, to combat teams, no matter how they play. And if they've got a team that they're anticipating is going to go for it, they're going to match them punch for punch. And I think that game is going to be a very, very interesting game. Spurs on the ball, pushing forward, Brentford on the counter. So I think that's going to be six plus goals in that particular game. Normally, I think the claims are going to be more kind of around one player or something, you know, something kind of a bit more sort of outlandish, I think, as we go forward. I know this one again is probably the beige early claim. Sorry, Andy, you're not beige. Um, but I think this is going to be my kind of initial gambit uh, to start us off in this uh, bold claims era. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think it's too beige. I, I think six picking six plus goals in any game is tough to do. So yeah, um, if you looked at like the odds for five point five or over, I, I think it would be a good few to one. So yeah, I think it's bold enough. Oh, so it's a nil nil now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's totally a nil nil. Yeah, especially because Andy said it. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> Andy without blowing too much smoke. Andy is very good at the matchups as well. So I. Knowing that he's on that as well, I, I can certainly see it happen. Um, like you said, Brentford will try and counter that high line as well with pace. They've got plenty of pace in behind. I could certainly see, see this one being a bit of a goal fest. So, yeah, don't mind this one as a bold claim. You could be off to a good start there. 
Um, I will move very quickly on to mine, just so we don't run over too much. And mine is that Villa get off to a lightning start. They've looked fantastic in pre-season and obviously the back end of last year, fantastic as well. They got the better of Newcastle last time and I think they'll do it again. I'm, I've got Villa to beat Newcastle by two or more goals in the opening fixture. What, what do you think of that? Well, I'd love this to happen because obviously I'm hoping that Watkins' talismanic status means that he's going to get us off to a flyer. And I think it'll be it's interesting with Newcastle because he's they're the team that many people look at for the top four race and think they're going to drop off. You know, not going to do mm-hmm. as well. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle deal with this renewed expectation upon them. Mm. Last year, Villa did absolutely demolish them. Is that going to happen again? Is there going to be element of, you know, oh crap, it's these guys, as I said last week? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I can see that one happening. I, I hope it happens because I don't own Newcastle Defender and I own Watkins. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's one of those where I'm, I'm is it because I'm being subjective versus what's actually going to happen in that game? But yeah, I think that's, a re- that's a really interesting one uh, to mm. throw out there. I'd be intrigued to see if it happens, basically. I know that's very neutral, but there we go. Yeah. Yeah, I think to play devil's advocate very, very quickly on this, Newcastle will want to get one back over Villa, considering what happened last season. Um, so, yeah, they will they will want revenge. I just have a feeling Villa will come out the traps really quickly this season. Um, yeah, I, I've got I've got them to beat Newcastle by two goals. Fingers crossed it comes off for any Watkins owners. Nothing against Newcastle. I think they'll have another great season, but I think Villa are looking pretty good to start the year. So that's the way I'm going with the bold claim for game week one. What about the community? What are they saying? Well, there's a few really interesting ones here, um, which I'm not going to go, I'm not going to read them all, but thank you so much for everybody who did write in. Uh, There's a couple of people who are obviously going against the expected. Uh, Jimmy the Claret, obviously Jimmy's going to do this because he's a Burnley fan. Uh, Burnley will win the stages set. The narrative is written. It's happening. And I also saw uh, from elsewhere um, that Burnley, uh, FPL follow uh, that Burnley keep City to just one goal, a Rodri goal. Um, so <laughs> I, th- I think the bold claim to kind of summarise it is that Burnley versus City is not going to be the game that we all expect it to be. I mean, Haaland's gone six games without a goal. That's potentially one. There are a few other people saying you know, uh, FPL gem, for example, uh, Salah scores a 20 pointer and something is right in the template for everybody there. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're all scared of that, really. If you're, if you're that would cause chaos. <laughs> I know, I know. And there's a couple of other people. So FPL Cobaloy, uh, Man United won't score against Wolves, and FPL Twitter will react very calmly. <laughs> <laughs> and Atlas FPL says that Onana will score an own goal. So there's a few other things there, um, mm. a couple of others. Oh, Cameron um, in that in that Burnley game um, says that Holland will blank because he's captaining him out of FOMO. Um, Aston Villa got a good start, says Nave Jacobson. So very similar to you, Sam. 
Mm-hmm. And still have the one that I saw. Yes, uh, Tom Campbell, UCCC friend of the pod. Dom Solanke will end game week one as the top scoring player of the game week, which I really like. So that's a very sort of that, wow. that's a bold, that's a bold claim. That I, 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 I'm a big fan of that one. I um, could get on board with that. That would be that would be very funny, and I'd like to see how everyone reacts to. Is he six point five? I think he's six point five. I think I think he is shockingly. Yes, yeah. I think there are, there are a few that. There are, I know there are loads more there. And as I said, thank you so much for people who have mentioned them. Um, I, I was laughing for a little while when Michael Lowe said Edison will make a save, was his bowl claim. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, again, chiming with your bowl claims earlier on. But I, I don't know. I, I wonder whether we take Tom's one there. Um, yeah, I quite like Tom's it's... one. Yeah, I like that. It seems just about feasible enough to be within the realms of possibility. But yeah, it's definitely still a bold claim, possibly slightly more bold than us, ours as well. So maybe we need to up our game for next week. But um, yeah, I, I like that. Cool. I think we, we'll take that. We'll take that for now. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe we need to try to crystallise all of these into kind of free top bold claims going forward rather than just picking one at random for <laughs> the one that makes us laugh. But I, I like that. I like that. Well, thank you, Tom. No, we'll, we'll go with you. You are the FPL community. You're the, you're the mayor of FPL. Right. Okay. Let's... On to the next. And I think we're into our drafts now, if I oh, don't... God. Yeah. So we're you're first. So, I, again, I don't think it'll make too much difference. But... Tom, why don't you read out your draft ahead of game week one at the moment? I think we need to just quickly discuss what's what's going on here. <laughs> let's, 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 let's do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think, I think you know, the start of an FPL season. One thing that I've learned happened last year, and I'll observe those people doing it the years before, and I've overthought it. Um, but the start is always actually pretty beige is a bit of a secret <laughs> you know but everybody now knows uh, because it's those are beige anyway um, but there's over excitement because it's it you know it's all back you know and you know it's all exciting the football's coming but in terms of FPL the start is always massively overhyped so I've said for a long time like pre-season is my least favorite part of the season it's loads of content for content's sake i hope hope i think that's what we do but there's a lot of that out there and i'm pretty glad we're coming to the end now and we can come to the action and we can truly begin to differentiate and you know the actual skill element which i fully accept i've been poor at in the past comes into play sam and i will definitely diverge before long but at the moment we've both ended up on pretty much the same well exactly the same level um, as happened last year with Lucy who's again <laughs> similar to Sam and and similar to how I converted to be in that it's very kind of safe secure you know what you're doing um so I think I'm gonna our draft I think we're gonna call it Sam here yeah is a Anana and goal um Ariola slash maybe Matt Turner if he goes to Austin Forest and Henderson doesn't follow quickly as the second goalkeeper mm-hmm. at the back you've got Gabriel Stones and Esther Pinion on the pitch You've got Chilwell as first sub, just because the Liverpool game, we'll talk about that in a minute, I think it's just Liverpool game is likely to herald goals and when it's difficult to kind of uh, weigh him up against another player who's in the draft at the moment. And Bayer at uh, Burnley is probably the defender of choice. I know that Baldock at uh, uh, Sheffield United is the one that FPL Review recommends, uh, but Sheffield United are currently selling the 
their best player, their Sander Burge to Burnley. There's a, mm. there's a real sort of sense of um, malaise there uh, with the with ownership situation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he's what's there in midfield. It is that four: Saka, Martinelli, Bruno Fernandez, and Rashford. We are not in the three-five-two. We are in the three-four-three. So I've got Nakamba. I think you've got. Anderson at the moment, mm. um, but we're not too sure what that's going to be again. And up front, it is Erling Haaland, shock horror with the armband on. Ollie Watkins, again, shock horror. And Jal Pedro, who is making up the 11 at the moment. Obviously, game week two, game week three, depending on what happens against Luton in game week one, Chilwell will come on and Jal Pedro will then become that sort of first sub character. But I think that's kind of where I am. I know that's where you are. And there are a lot of players in here who at the moment are simply locked in, feels ridiculously silly. But I've got to the point now already where, as I said a second ago, I just, I'm so ready for game week one. You know, I think it's a good thing that I'm in a place where, you know, I'm just like, you know what, I'm quite happy with this. Like, Anana, yes, I know there's some questions. I know you got love from the halfway line, etc., etc., etc. But I still think he's probably the best goalkeeper. Decent saves and decent save percentages. Um, I know it was a Syria, but whatever. Um, but the, the the passing distribution hopefully will lead to a bonus. Uh, at least being in the bonus discussion. Gabriel Stone's just opinion. Yes, again, that's the opinion. Perhaps slightly a concession to EO, but. 50% EO for a Bryson player is with that for those first three fixtures is very hard to talk against. A second boss only Bruno Rashford's spoken about already. And then Watkins spoken about already. Holland, are you gonna argue against that? And then there's Jal Pedro. Um so yeah, we'll talk about Jal Pedro in a minute, but it, it's one of those where I, I don't know, I, I kind of when I saw I, I kind of put this together. Was it on Sun? I think it was on Sunday when Joe Pedro scored the penalty. Yeah, you gave you gave me that you wouldn't steal an FPL draft meme. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, it was as soon as Pedro scored the penalty and and it with Gross on the pitch as well that kind of our paths converged a little bit and we all along we've been maybe two or three players separate in in our drafts, but those two or three players have dropped off the scene in the last few days and certain other picks, Martinelli being one, Watkins being another, Pedro being another, have all become more and more popular through groundswell, through injuries elsewhere and, and through new information coming to light, such as the penalty factor for Pedro. And I know for a fact we both really wanted to try to find a way to get Chilwell in. And I think Pedro being on penalties just allowed us to manoeuvre that extra 1 million or at least in my case that extra 1 million out of a 6.5 million midfielder replace the 4.5 forwards with a 5.5 in Pedro and then obviously downgrade the 6.5 midfielder to a 4.5 giving us the extra 1 million to add to the 4.5 million defender that I think previously for me was Colwell um, but we were playing around with a few different names in our in our chat uh, prior to this weekend. I think Colwell was there, but even though he's got a bit of goal threat from set pieces, Chilwell just feels worth it for that million extra. And I think we're going to want to be on him by game week three or four when the fixtures improve for Chelsea. So this for me is the draft that I keep coming back to now 
And I think the fact that it does have at least one good bench option every single week, if there's a little bit of rotation headache, like who's your first bench going to be? But I, I quite like having just one bit of depth in the opening few weeks in case new information comes to light and we're shocked by something and we then don't need to panic into making a move straight away. We can rely on our bench just a little bit. Um, Pedro, I think, is the key that unlocks the rest of this draft. And that's how our paths have converged in the last 24 hours or so. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, Joe Pedro, yes, signed from Watford, record signing, not played in Premier League before, but not to any great effect. Very good at foot manager, by the way. Mm. (laughs) Not that should impact anybody. Um, But as Sam said, if you've got a player like that, 5.5, you can reasonably expect, as the record signing, that no, but Kudu is being linked to them very heavily. Um, but the player who has three very good opening fixtures, you keep that Brighton coverage for Luton, Wolves, West Ham. Although maybe the West Ham game, you then play Chilwell over you know, Jao Pedro. You've got an idea of what's going on. But it's a game with one. You've got that kind of attacking cover for the Luton home game, which I think is going to be a game that, without any prior knowledge, we're going to be targeting. With all of that in, I think I think you're kind of mostly there. There's going to be a couple of changes, obviously, we, that could be kind of discussed going forward. But, I mean, it, it's one of those drafts that once you've done it, you kind of sat there thinking, I'm not too sure where else I'm going to go from this, given what we've spoken about over the last kind of four weeks in pre-season and all the other thoughts and things that we've put out there. I know Sam on your videos as well, you've put out those different kind of thoughts and have those ideas about what you could do, where you could go. I know you've got a soft spot for Gakpo, for example. (laughs) I do, I do. You you just keep, it's one of those that I just keep coming back to. And I know that, for example, I said in pre-season a little while ago that my take was that why would you why wouldn't you go three five two? Why wouldn't you go without a midfielder? But you've got that sort of you've got everything sort of covered off here, which I quite like. Embracing the beige to some extent, uh, I kind of also think that we had kind of the FPL review sort of nod when it came to nudge. Sorry, when it came to Chilwell. Just because I think I didn't really anticipate how well that rated him. I know that that's not for everybody. But for me, that, the good fixtures from game week three onwards made me just think, you know what, it's good to just have him there. And we'll see what happens from that point onwards. Yeah, agreed on the Chilwell point. I I was quite bullish on him anyway. And then review really tipped me over the edge and made me feel like I need to actually back up this data and and my hunch as well by trying to squeeze them into my team wherever possible. It's important to say that there are sacrifices to this structure. Obviously, no Liverpool coverage is a worry. And I think that's a sacrifice we're both currently prepared to make. But what Watkins could feasibly be a Darwin or a Gakpo or one of the midfielders. In fact, any of the midfielders could be a Jota for instance, if you if you were that way inclined. Obviously, Salah would take significant sacrifices to squeeze into this draft. And I think we've both had a play around with trying to make that work. And I, I personally just can't without what I would consider to be too many sacrifices elsewhere. And yeah, I, and Kane is the other big one. Obviously, looks to be red hot in pre-season and might now be staying, considering Bayern's bids kept being knocked back earlier this week. 
Um, so only time will tell with him. But if you can find a way to squeeze Kane in, that, that might be a, a way to really mix up this template um, or this, this draft. Um, but again, having a look at trying to fit him in means that Watkins is out straight away. And I think Watkins, as we've mentioned, will be a very good pick this season. You're not finding 7 million <laughs> an upgrade yeah. from Pedro to Kane. You're not finding 7 million in this team elsewhere, I don't think. So it would have to be for Watkins. And even then you need to find another 4.5 million somewhere. And that just seems like such a massive amount of money to take out of this side. You're taking a million out of at least one of the defenders, probably two and a half million out of one of the midfielders, and then probably downgrading Pedro as well to a 4.5 to make that even feasible. And then you're probably left with not too much cover on the bench. You're probably left with a weaker starting 11 in the hope that without ever captaining this other premium player, they are going to match up to all of the other players you've sacrificed. And as far as I'm concerned right now, it just, I can't make it work. I don't know about you, um, but yeah, that, that's where I'm at at the moment. And I think I'm fairly set on going without a second premium into game week one. Yeah, I'm the same because I think the likes of Saka, likes of Rashford, those are cut price premiums as far as I'm concerned. Like, if if Holland missed the game or whatever, um, I think that I'd be happy to captain one of those guys. Uh, it's not a problem for me. Like, it, there's no it's a, the price quality heuristic thing where you equate price to mean something's quality. Like buying a, a, a very expensive phone when a decent phone will do the job that you want it to do. You don't need that. So yeah, it's all. I, know, I feel like obviously we'll see what's going on, and obviously we're not advocating that everybody follows this draft. And, <laughs> but I think it's 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 a very solid one that I like and that you like, and and we may well find that you know by Thursday things will change a slight bit, and we'll obviously update you on that. But it's one it's one of those where it feels like a, a just a good way to start the season. Obviously, it's a big regret. There's no money in the bank, and um, and if uh, you know a six point five million midfielder came became one that you had to own by game week two that's perhaps one that maybe there's going to be a lack of flexibility potentially but i think we'd at least give it two weeks and see what would happen in game week three because game week one and game week two both look very strong for this particular setup so it's it's one where you look at it and you think you know what give us two weeks it was very good for game week one almost like it's obviously not completely the free hit that you make but pretty close and game week two see how it goes after that i think unless you know something outlandish happens where you see bruno playing dm or something like that (laughs) Um, i mean you've got kane and you've got salah you've got Darwin over Watkins, essentially, as you mentioned, you've got like Jackson, um, who could be in a consideration, but you're looking at Chilwell basically playing a similar role to Trent in being an attacking option at 5.5 in the defense. I think basically this team ends up as a 4 4 2 eventually, which Al Pedro is sub one. Um, but I, I think it works, it, it basically just works, and I quite like that. And it's one of those where you, you look at it, I think you said to me, oh, I haven't got that many notes on this. Um, which is 
very key because it, whenever we were sending each other, firing over each other drafts and thinking, oh, you know what, what, what about this? We both kind of had, to, what about this? What about that? Um, it's not a group think, I think, but <laughs> it might it might be. But you know, I, I, I yeah, it's very difficult to put past it. And then if you run it through the algos, um, obviously a little bit of X min engineering when it comes to Joel Pedro. Um, but even if he's at sixty minutes at five point five, that's very good for their opening fixtures. So there you go, uh, Captain Holland, Sam. I'm, I, I mean, I mentioned about going with or without you. You mentioned about going with or without a hunch. At one point, I mean, the FPL review seems to be pushing people towards Saka for game week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys on Twitter, if another FPL on the boo was, I can, for understandable reasons, saying, you know, well, this could be a huge opportunity that, you know, you, if you get it wrong, then you've got to make up a little bit every week and it's all doable. But it just feels like massive exposure to me. Yeah, I think if Haaland had even a slightly worse fixture, I'd be more tempted. But Burnley away, it is a promoted side. They'll want to get off to a good start. And Haaland's EO, again, it's boring to say, but it will be very high. So you have to be very confident of your pick if you're backing against it. I do like Saka at home to Forest. I do, To be fair, I like Martinelli at home to Forest as well, albeit without the penalties. But... I think if you're going up against Haaland, he needs a slightly worse fixture, to, for, for me anyway, to back against it. Even though Forest do look like they'll be conceding a few early season, um, obviously they'll probably be bringing in a keeper this week and probably putting them in the starting lineup fairly fairly soon. So bedding them in is going to be difficult. Um, yeah, but I, I think for me, Haaland's probably the big call for me. Cool. Yeah, I think the only question is the 4.0 defender and the 4.5 million midfielder on the bench, which hopefully will be answered this week to some extent. Um, and if it isn't, yeah. well, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not massive. Really. <laughs> At the end of the day, I know you've got Kabore versus Bayer. I've got Nakamba versus Anderson. But it's, 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 it's apples and apples, really, isn't it, really? Yeah, I'll be doing the necessary background research on those two price points in the coming days, um, which is probably the least exciting part of FPL research, but it needs to be done. I will try and pick the ones that I'm most confident on. Anderson's look good in preseason, and Kabor looks like he'll be playing, um, at least, I hope, um, in a fullback role for Luton, which is the only reason they're um, on, in my draft at the moment. But other than that, I don't. I don't think there's any reason to look um, look too far no. beyond that. Um, I no. think the research needs to be done, but that's this week, and we'll we'll figure it out by Friday. No, it's, it's, I think it's actually quite a good thing to be quite happy about where we are at this point. <laughs> and I, I think that yeah. I mean, any final words of advice? I suppose as we round off the pod. Um, as we go into game week one, I know it's only it's kind of four days away at this point, but yeah. Yeah. Um, my final bit would be don't panic. Um, you're, the team you're on at the moment is probably there for a reason. You probably know what you're doing at this point. Don't let one little bit of information completely tear apart your draft or like fear of one player, for instance, tear apart your draft completely. Um, write down why you've got the draft you've got at the start of this week and then as if it was between two game weeks, have a look at what your draft is right now, write it down, figure out the logic behind that draft, 
at the end of the week, when it gets to Friday and when it gets to the crunch, have a look back at what it was at the start of the week. Ask yourself, realistically, what information have we gained that's changed the drafts? And if it's good information, by all means, go with the new draft. But more often than not, not too much has changed. So figure out where you're at at the start of the week and uh, don't panic too much with every little bit of information. Um, take take on the most important bits only. Bastard stole my line. Yes, <laughs> that was exactly mine as well. Um, but yes, it's, um, uh, there's definitely going to be as we get into the madness of uh, just the final few days of preseason before we're all locked in and ready to go, uh, some bandwagon will crop up. And it's very much about taking stuff away from that and interrogating the differences between the drafts today, your final team, and maybe your first draft as well. And just kind of asking yourself what changed, what you know now, whether you're happy with the change you've made or whether it's kind of perhaps driven by external forces which are forcing you to maybe think about a certain player more than you probably otherwise would. Um, I think ownership is always important, game week one. I mean, there's no getting around it. I mean, there are players like, you know, I've seen loads of very, very good kind of reasoning against someone like Estepinion, for example. Um, makes a lot of sense going against Brighton and, and people saying you know Brighton defence very leaky and early into the last season and Estepinian scored loads of points in one game versus Arsenal but didn't really tend to score very much otherwise yeah true but the guy's owned by 50% more than 50% of the current player base against Luton if they keep clean sheet and he gets nine points or even gets stack and return, gets 12, you're in the hole immediately, as Sam mentioned earlier on. That's something which is like, do you need to take that risk? You need to take somebody on. If you really believe in your hunch, fair enough. Fine. You know, I'm very happy for you to do that. I'm, you know, I'll back you all the way. Do, do what you need to do. But there's an element of always of picking your battles when it comes to game week one. It's not the most exciting thing in the world that we've both got the same team. It's not the most exciting thing in the world that most people on FPL Twitter will end up with the same team or FPL threads, Instagram, whatever. But it is a template for a reason. And it is, they are players who have been chosen for a reason. They're not kind of in because you know, there's content creators trying to lead you, to, lead you astray. Uh, there's lots of thought that goes into it. And there's a reason why these players look to be players that are worth owning. So... A lot of the time, as I said, I think last week on the Lessons Learned pod, it's, it's a lot about letting other people make mistakes. It's, mm. Don't be that person who gets led astray, I suppose, on some sort of niche pick and you're left. You know, if it goes well, great, you're, you're a genius. But a lot of the time in this, in this game, you're not going to be a genius. You know, you're going to be left behind if you've gone against the Rashford because for some reason you think, hey, you know what? He's he's not as good as X, Y, and Z. Yes, we've got some worries about him being over centre forward. Is that as good? But if he scores a couple of goals against Wolves, which is it is likely, I'm not saying that, you know, a, a Stones or something's going to come on and do a 20-pointer against uh, Burnley. There's definitely the compulsion, perhaps, to fight against the the majority view but 
that kind of thing can append your season. As loads of people have said, you don't win FPL on game week one, but you can lose it. Mm. And so yeah, bear that in mind. That's that's where I am now. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think that wraps us up very nicely for the end of our final preseason pod. Um, thank you all so much if you've listened to any of the pods or watched the videos in preseason. We really do appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it. We're excited to get going. Um, we were who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter slash X um, at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find me on X at FPL Pricey. Um, or you can find us on Instagram or threads at WGTA.FPL. Again, I'm FPL Pricey on there as well. Uh, once again, um, that, the mini league code, if you wanted to join us for that, it was M-I-N-L-U-D. And if you enjoyed the pods, we'd really appreciate it if you could do one or all of the following, uh, such as giving us a follow on those social media channels, giving the pod a five-star rating um, wherever you're listening to it would be fantastic. And if you're here on YouTube, then if you could subscribe or give the video a like, that would be greatly appreciated. Appreciated. That really helps get the pod out there for a wider audience. Um, but in the meantime, good luck, everyone, for game week one. Yep. Thanks, Sam. Did you enjoy preseason? It's your first time doing this. <laughs> I did very much. I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's been very good to help me hone in my thinking for, for the weeks ahead. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll drum that out with you as the season goes on. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, um, we're back, back with you next week as the dust settles, talking about how it invariably all went wrong for all of us. But nonetheless, I hope you enjoyed the pods. I hope we're involved the rest of the season. As Sam said, do all of those things. Very, very helpful for us. More than anything, we hope we assisted you during pre-season. All the best in game week one. We'll speak to you very, very soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.